three, two, one. We are live for a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host. And as usual, I'm joined by Seth Wintraub. How are you doing today, Seth? I'm good. All right, all right. That's perfect because we have a nice show for you today. I'm still in Japan. Uh, it's, uh, it's Saturday morning for me, 5 a.m. Uh, with all the travels that I did last week, I didn't have time to look up in details every one of those stories that we're going to discuss. So I'm going to discover some of them at the same time as you guys. So it's going to be fun with that. But uh, let's jump in with some of those that I, I know, or at least I should know because I wrote myself. Um, and uh, there was a little bit of a little tiny Cybertruck update from Elon Musk because uh, he went on the uh, Joe Rogan podcast, Joe Rogan Experience this week. Uh, Probably the biggest thing that came out of it is that that nice shot of of uh, Joe Rogan shooting a, a compound bow and arrow to uh, to the Cybertruck, proving that it is arrow proof. I guess <laughs> that doesn't mean much. I don't have to worry about uh, Native American uh, attacks from the eighteen hundreds. Yeah, <laughs> if you uh, if the Cybertruck ends up like being uh, like uh, the. Uh, uh, the DeLorean DMC that uh, <laughs> Back to the Future, and you, <laughs> you go back in time. You don't have to worry about a raid from, a, a, not that they even had compound bow at that time. <laughs> anyway. Like those things yeah. are actually pretty powerful. So it is fair that like blocking an arrow with a compound bow within like, it looks like he's at 15 yard or something. It is a pretty powerful weapon, but apparently it's top nine millimeters, like tummy gun. So it's not... Uh, yeah, it's not, it shouldn't be a surprise that it stopped an arrow. But that's not really the news that came out of it. Uh, Elon had a few comments on it. Uh, the biggest one, probably the weight, because we already had the gross vehicle weight rating uh, a few weeks ago when the um, the VIN uh, were released for the Cybertruck. So the VIN gave us some information, but it's more of a range of gross vehicle uh, uh, ratings. And that's... That's not um, that's not the actual weight of the truck. It's the weight of the truck plus the cargo, including passengers. So that's just give you an idea. Um, but now we can compare that to Elon saying that uh, the the cyber truck would weigh about seven thousand pounds, with some version closer to six thousand. So that gives us an interesting range here, uh, because. Um, uh, we compared it to the uh, the the F one fifty Lightning, and it is. It would be in the if you compare it to the range of the uh, the, the range of different weights because there's also the range of different weights with the, the lightning. It appears to be a little bit lighter, whilst or, or similar. And um, the gross vehicle rating rate is actually higher than the F-150 Lightning. So it could point to Tesla being able to be a little bit more uh, efficient in terms of the capacity, cargo capacity versus weight of the of the truck which is important for a work truck uh, if you're actually going to use it as a work truck, uh, carrying cargo and all that. I don't, it doesn't include a towing uh, weight like that, so that's you can forget about that. Um, what else he said? He said, uh, he said that uh, the, they are aiming to get the cyber truck under three seconds for the 0 to 60 um, miles per hour acceleration. So that's actually in line with the originally announced uh, in 2019, but they haven't talked about it since then. And now, considering that the production is is coming uh, by the end, well, the, the deliveries uh, are coming by the end of the month. It's uh, it should be an indication that this is still uh, in the plans. Obviously, the less than three seconds is probably going to be the tri motor version and not uh, the dual motor that uh, we are also expecting to see at launch. Uh, finally, he did an update on. Uh, production goals and uh it's it's weird because we got one just a few weeks ago at the earnings and now it seems to be different he talked about tesla aiming to produce about two hundred thousand cyber trucks per year but um just a few weeks ago he said that it would be two hundred fifty thousand truck per year. so i'm not putting too much value on that comment because obviously he could have just misspoke or he could have just like not been thinking straight i don't i don't know because uh, uh but the official thing from Tesla is actually 125,000 unit of install production capacity at Gigafactory Texas. Um, so that's that. That was in in the. That's apparently what it is right now. But we we've questioned that uh, that chart that Tesla released with the install capacity because it's not clear exactly what they mean by that. Two hundred thousand still still quite a bit though. 
Yeah, it's a decent amount, but we, we saw that Tesla communicated to um, the suppliers that they were aiming to 375,000 units a year, but that also includes like a 15, 20% um, like error rate that they said. So could be a, a much fewer than that. Um, so maybe Tesla is kind of uh, playing possum a little bit here. It's not clear. We got a best look so far at the front trunk of the Cybertruck, the front of the Cybertruck. And it was at night, so we see the lighting uh, system in it. We see that the uh, the strange-looking Cybertruck logo font that uh, Tesla had since the original unveiling of the vehicle, but uh, we weren't sure what Tesla was going to do with it beyond some marketing that they used. It's actually going to be on the truck or inside the truck, more accurately, uh, in that front area here where I'm pointing if you're watching the video version of this. We get a, a better look at the uh, bottom of the of the front here where we, we saw some pictures of uh, Tesla engineers before sitting on it as if it was a bench. So we weren't sure if it was like completely flat or it looks like there is a bump at the opening here, but it's not too big. So it could actually be used as a as a bench like for some like tailgating situation or uh, I guess like front grading, uh, gating now, I guess. <laughs> uh, and it, and we saw the, the powered version of it. This is uh, for the first time we, we see it in use. Barely, though. It's a very short gif here. Uh, we do what we can when we spot the Cybertruck. And this is coming from uh, JX here from uh, uh, X or Twitter. It looks, in terms of size, it looks like, I don't know, said like like two or three carry-on luggages or maybe like a, a golf. Uh, um, yeah, you definitely fit a golf bag in there. Mm -hmm. Some maybe two carry-ons. My, my big concern is like, that kind of sharp edges on the thing like oh yeah this like, year yeah you don't want to accidentally get your finger caught in there or anything like that it looks kind of dangerous yeah also, i like, mean i don't know how this is gonna pass all these regulation for like like pedestrian collisions and all that like it's it seems like the cyber i mean you'd never want to get hit by a pickup truck regardless but it seemed like the cyber truck would be a particularly damaging one to get hit by yeah just ow just looks painful I mean, probably would, would of course, with the hood down, it wouldn't be as bad. But still, like it's, it, it, it clearly, you're right. It clearly highlights how sharp edges, uh, how many sharp edges are on the Cybertruck. Uh, we, yeah, just a few weeks ago, if you remember, we got the leaks on the Model Three sports seats uh, coming to uh, the performance version of the Model Three, the the updated one with the Highland. Uh, now we get the Plaid Model S seats uh, getting an upgrade. Again, something that it's called sports version. This is again coming from uh, Tesla Hacker Green. Uh, uh, yeah, no, sorry, Tesla Hacker Green confirmed that it was coming, but now we get from the uh, updated service manual, we get the confirmation from it, and we get a picture because in the service manual, sometimes you get uh, pictures of exactly like how to remove uh, things in the truck and how to remove this new seats here. Give us this limited but uh, clear view of a. Uh, the new sports seats for the Model 3, uh, similar to what we heard for the, uh, for the Model S plan, similar to the Model 3, we get the, the bigger side support, but it looks even, uh, at least from that picture, is only the top half, um, even wider at the shoulder. You get this little indention in the middle with what appears to be a um, plaid logo in it, like some kind of plaid yep. decal. Um, longer headrest. Different materials. It looks like to be like, uh, so you have the perforated like fake uh, leather as usual, but on the sides almost look like Alcantara on the side here. It's interesting. Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard to tell from the picture. The picture is like not highest quality, obviously. And this picture looks pretty bad, like the, the creasing here on that. Yeah, but, it's weird. Yeah. Well, I, I, we don't like this might be like, ex this might be the test. Um, seat for tesla where they do you know you remember the butt robot like they do like that uh, right keeps or they're the... stretching it out to make it flatter or whatever yeah exactly so this is, this is probably not how it's going to get delivered but yeah so it, very interesting stuff because tesla is not never i want to say never i'm not exactly sure if that's true but for the most part it doesn't update the interior of its vehicle at all for a performance version so now 
this at least it, this the seats are going to get updated i'm not sure if it's going to be all plaid all performance model threes or if it, it's only going to be um, a separate interior upgrade for people that have plaid for people that have performance model three it's it's really not clear is it going to be the only change that you get is it you're only going to order the sports seats or you're going to or order an updated interior for the performance version it's uh, it's all new for Tesla because, for, as you know, for the most part, Tesla doesn't change the hardware at all between the top non-performance version of its car and the top performance version of its car. It's it's all the same, other than uh, sometimes oh, on the plate, you, 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 the plate you have the like a better suspension, option for bigger uh, wheels, uh, and the actually software unlock the powertrain capacity. It's not even a different powertrain. We got good news from Gigafactory Mexico. Uh, it seems like the government, uh, following the earnings where Tesla had to, say, Elon said some things about the factories where temporary expectations pumped the brakes a little bit. Uh, looks like the government in, in the Nouveau Leon came out trying to counter that a little bit, saying that uh, putting some confidence into Tesla actually coming to uh, the region. So it is uh, Secretary of Economy, uh, Mr. Ivan Rivas. He said that Tesla just obtained all of the permits at the federal and provincial, uh, no, it's not provincial, it's state level, yeah, it's, it's uh, state and federal level for, for the factory. Um, and he reiterated that he believes that Tesla is coming to the state and uh, they already gave us all their needs to start construction and we are sure that Tesla is coming to Nuevo Leon. So this follows, again, the comment from last week where Elon said that well, Elon was clear that Tesla plans to come to uh, Mexico and do geography Mexico, and he seems to be he seemed to be committed to that specific location in Nuevo Leon. But he said the timing is the issue, and he referenced uh, again the macroeconomic situation, the economy. Uh, they are waiting to see exactly what happens with that before they move forward with construction there, because they said that they still have plenty of room in uh, Gigafactory Texas to grow and especially to do the next generation vehicles, uh, which were first associated with Gigafactory Mexico, uh, which is why we've been tracking the project closely, making sure when it's going to happen, because it sounded at first that when Gigafactory Mexico happened, uh, the $25,000 Tesla happened, the RoboTaxi happened and all that. But now that's not the case anymore. Um, but now it's fully in Tesla's hand to get the green light or not for the construction because... Um, they have all the permits. I know that they're also waiting, like they said, needs to start construction. That I think that refers to like the infrastructure project that uh, uh, needs to happen around the factory. So Tesla has requested some energy, water, road, and, and, and rail infrastructure to be deployed uh, to facilitate the project. So we're going to keep an eye on that if it, it finally uh, moves or not. Uh, Puerto Rico is getting the VPP, the Tesla virtual power plant. Uh, earlier this summer, we said that uh, we reported on that, that uh, Tesla said it was coming. Tesla was applied with the uh, local authorities to change the regulations. Like You need a lot of regulations to change when you want to sell electricity. A lot of regulation around who can sell you electricity or not. They want to control that tightly. Uh, but Tesla has a big opportunity in Puerto Rico because ever since uh, that big hurricane a few years ago, Tesla has uh, focused a lot of effort to deploy energy storage system there, namely the Powerwall, and um, also partnering with other companies to deploy solar system with it, strengthening the grid, um, offering people alternative to just the grid that has been extremely uh, weakened by uh, natural disasters there and also politics and whatnot. But uh, now uh, it finally launched this week in Puerto Rico with uh, 75,000 Powerwall owners uh, being able to jump on the program. So I'm not saying that's not what people are in the program right now, but at the same time, Tesla was able to confirm that they have 75,000 uh, Powerwall owners uh, on the island. And, uh, and now they can just sign up directly to the app and they will start uh, getting compensated for sending back some electricity into the grid. And uh, the rates, are we haven't seen the rates just yet, but I would assume that they are, are going to be advantageous because, uh, again, Puerto Rico is in dire need of a more stable grid. When uh, 
the closer they get to a brownout, the closer they get to a blackout, the higher they're going to be able to compensate those um, those Powerwall owners to send some electricity back. You're going to be also be able to limit that amount of electricity back so that if there is a, bla- a brownout or a blackout, you have some backup power for your house. Um, interestingly, uh, with the launch of the VPP, Tesla said that they are partnering with um, uh, with the Sonova and Sunrun. So partners for this, is a, I think it's the first time in Tesla as a, as a partner for a VPP, which makes sense. Those are obviously solar, uh, residential solar deployer uh, installers. It's very useful to have that in a VPP because you can do a VPP just with an energy storage system. Um, but obviously, if that energy storage system is powered by a solar uh, that you produce yourself, you produce the solar power yourself, it is a lot more advantageous. Um, you think it's uh, weird that Tesla's joining other solar installers now? Uh, do you think Tesla's kind of pulling out of the solar installation world? Yeah, well, Sun, uh, Sunrun was always a partner for for deployment of uh, of power walls, uh, so that one is less surprising. Sonova, uh, I've, I think it's new for me. I've never heard them deploy power walls, but yeah, I, to your point, we we've been seeing a lot of uh, Tesla moving away from deploying its own solar panels now doing the installation itself uh, instead they are really much focusing on owning the brains behind those systems so through the power wall through the gateway to its uh, own solar inverters that it's selling now all these things are allowing tesla to deploy these these products and sell these uh, virtual power plants and and tesla electric also now in texas so the, these things are i think are clearly where tesla wants to go right now and uh, Drew Baglino, Tesla's SVP of Engineering, commented of the, on the launch of the uh, Puerto Rico power plant, uh, virtual power plant. And he said that with these 75,000 customers, up to 300 megawatts of power capacity, it could become the biggest um, virtual power plant in the world rather quickly if uh, all those people sign up for it. It's going to be, um, I mean, 300 megawatts uh, uh, has to be like... Uh, a lot of like smaller like coal power plants and things like that like in terms of capacity yeah and it's nice that it's deployed like all over the island i'm assuming yeah. so completely distributed right not concentrated all right we get a new a new automaker on board with nax with the tesla nax connector uh a japanese one to subaru the Japanese have been a little bit slower to get on board. Uh, we have, I think we have only Nissan so far. And now we have Subaru also. I mean, and... Subaru isn't, isn't quite surprising. Their only EV is a Toyota, and Toyota's already <laughs> on board. So, Yeah, yeah, you're right. Toyota's also on board. So Nissan, Toyota, and uh, Subaru are now all on board. So that's, uh, that's great news. Uh, let's see the details, if they're a bit different. We've seen that they've been updated lately. So... The company will adopt NAC sports on certain BEV launch in North America starting in 2025. Certain? Has to be all new BEVs or, or not. Like It would be, makes no sense otherwise. Um, and Subaru will provide access to an adapter for Subaru in SCS. They don't see the timing of the adapter. That, that has been what, what changed some. Uh, more recently, we've seen automakers announcing NAC's adoption and they don't get the adapter until 2025 versus 2024 from for other companies. But again, like you just said, only the Saltera is available, and uh, we have the units here, uh, five thousand sold since last year. So you would need to find five thousand adapters basically to <laughs> satisfy the demand. <laughs> Shouldn't be too big of a task. No. Nope. All right, the um, UAW strike is over. Uh, last week we reported on um, Ford. Then uh, re- reaching a deal with UAW. Then it was Talentis this weekend, and this week GM also on board. Uh, big win for for the union, really. Um, I mean, it's not exactly what they asked for. Obviously, some negotiation. You leave some behind, but uh, some some big wins uh, across the board. I was particularly impressed with uh, the Talentis deal that included. If I'm understanding correctly, a, a new factor, a new battery factory that has that wasn't announced before, was made part of the deal. And uh, looking at it, I thought I thought at first it has to be that 
the deal is that the UAW worker is going to work that factory, but no, it's it's a new factory. That it's as if the union is pushing Stellantis to go electric faster uh, through that deal. So, I mean, if if I understand that correctly, and that's the case, like that's kudos to the union. Maybe they were originally intending to like import batteries for like that, you know, the Ram pickup or whatever. Yeah, and but- maybe the the union got them to build the batteries stateside, which will <clears throat> allow them to get better tax credits as well. Yeah, I mean, you you, you want a tax credit to uh, to be competitive, so it makes sense. Um, in terms of uh, the GM deal, I don't know if there's anything really noteworthy here. Also, adding a thousand battery job as part of the deal, so that's part of it. I think I think adding all the Altium factories was part of the deal uh just before the deal the the they went after that uh spring assembly plant in tennessee i think that's uh that's what did it it wasn't long after after the announcement that uh, they reached the deal so yeah we have a few more news items that we want to discuss here. We have uh, great news. We have the Equinox pricing and a bunch of other things. Uh, but uh, if you guys have questions for us, we're going to have some time to answer your question. I already see if you some question coming in from, from Facebook, from YouTube. So wherever you're watching live, you can put in the comment section a uh, question about things that we're discussing today or different topics in the EV space you want us to cover real quick uh, today. Uh, you can just put the question right now when I get to it in a, just a few minutes. All right, the Chevy Equinox EV, one of the one of the most important EV that we we thought was coming this year. Now it sounds it's more like uh, coming next year. It sounds like there's a bit of a of, of a delay, uh, but still, nonetheless, uh, the price point has uh, been the, the all the price sheet has been released this week, or only the base price, or all the price? No, only the base. price? No, they got the launch price, which will be in the beginning of the year, and then by the end of the year, the base price version will come out. Okay. Um, so the and launch the model price... will be available early next year. Yeah, the two RS four um, F. W. They said that forward wheel drive uh, starts at uh, basically forty nine thousand dollars. Is that what we were expecting? No, we were expecting no? a thirty thousand dollar one. Um, but, but not for the launch one. Not for the launch. No, for the launch well, we didn't know, but we. Knew oh, but I mean, it is the it is not the all wheel drive one, and so yeah. But it is the long range one at three hundred and nineteen miles. So the Equinox is only going to have one battery for all the models for all wheel drive. Like it's just going to have the same battery for everything. So, so it's, it's going to be not a... as a premium package for. Yeah, I mean this one it has the big t- uh, color touch screen. It's got the uh, Super Cruise and adaptive cruise control. Oh, the Google. base one's not going to have Super Cruise. I don't think the base one's going to have Super Cruise. I think it's going to have a smaller display. It's not going to have the cool two-tone paint job. Probably it's not going to have automatic lift gate, all that, you know, the little stuff. Okay. Um, then if yeah. you want to have all-wheel drive, it goes up to 52400 So that's a decent bump of uh, 3400 Yeah, a little pricey, but then you think about the 7500 back, then you're back down to seventy, or sorry, 4500 Sorry, forty five thousand, which is not terrible for an all wheel drive SUV. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you do have the Model Y there out there with that costs a lot less, which you know a lot of people are going to prefer. But yeah, uh, it's still nice. I think the big news though is that the base price Equinox is going to come out by the end of the year, and it's not going to hit the thirty thousand dollar mark that Mary yeah. Barrow was talking about, but thirty four nine isn't bad i guess especially with 319 miles they you know because yeah so that, that that's the big kicker here so the even at thirty five thousand dollars, you're going to get the 300 mile range yeah and okay. and that's still pretty solid and then obviously you're going to be eligible for federal tax credit so that's mm-hmm. going to bring it down to in the twenty thousand somewhere so that's pretty good yeah so that's what we're looking for and it's at the end of 2024 yep yeah, in the meantime, it's going to be a little bit rough, I think. I mean, I'm sure people, some people are going to be interested, but uh, yeah, it doesn't compare to the Model Y in the U.S. market with the federal tax credit. Not a good look. Yeah, uh, it's not priced competitively, I guess. I and guess you get like a 150 of... kilowatt DC charge. I mean, 
I'm always a little bit careful with that because the charging curve could be right. okay, but still, it's 100 kilowatt behind Tesla here. Yeah, and I, I just feel like you know the Model Y is out there that, and and costs a lot less than this. It's going to be hard to sell these, I think. Super Cruise is nice. Um, wireless charging, so I would assume that's this phone on wireless charging. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> a bit confusing. All right, I mean it's. Honestly, not too bad of a of an announcement because with the inflation, I don't remember exactly when GM announced the original goal of thirty thousand dollars for the Equinox, but uh, it was a uh, quite a bit ago. So we anticipated that with uh, inflation, it wouldn't exactly hit that price point. Thirty five thousand dollars, not too bad, especially with that with that range. Yep, not bad. So VinFast is teasing us with the potential of launching this the $20,000 VF3 electric car in the US. Um so this this new vehicle here is um is something that uh we're not we don't see a lot <laughs> coming to America, coming to the North American market. It's uh I mean I've seen plenty of these around here in Japan. And for the most part, automakers that are are building these electric vehicles, these these smaller cars, K-cars? like cars, you, you you would put that in a K cars category. I think so. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're probably right. If it, yeah, yeah, no, no, you're definitely looking at this picture. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah, they've been very reticent to launching these these very small cars to to North America because they think it wouldn't wouldn't take off. Um. But Vinfast uh, told. Um, Automotive news that uh, they actually are considering it uh, at the twenty thousand dollar price point. Uh, you see, the interior picture is not too bad. Uh, do we have a spec on this? I don't Let's think we see. have much. I mean, these are obviously city cars, so you don't expect that. they they do hit highway speed though. Um, they do hit highway speed, but uh, don't expect like a ton of range on this at a at a higher speed yeah i would imagine it's pretty pretty small battery pretty low power yeah i've seen some uh some of these but not exactly these but obviously it hasn't launched yet but uh very similar looking k cars around here yeah uh i think what is it the hustler or something there's a there's one that i really like yeah the, like jeep looking like like this yeah 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 I haven't seen the names. They haven't made them all electric yet. Most of, actually, almost none of them are electric yet, but they mm-hmm. will be. All right. So, unfortunately, we have some news this week that uh, related to slowdown of uh, EV outputs. Uh, it's not. We, we, we've been covering that over the last few weeks with um, with the economy, with the higher interest rates. Um, some automakers are using that slowdown in demand for new cars and specifically specifically new EVs to slow down their EV effort. Uh, Volkswagen this week announced uh, delays in their fourth their fourth EV plant uh, coming, and they are blaming the sluggish sales. So, uh, where was this one? So they have uh, three sites, including uh, San so that's Germany, uh, Spain, Valencia, and the most recent St. Thomas, Ontario. Okay, so yeah, yeah, that's right. That was the Ontario plant coming. And um, now the VW CEO said that uh, there is uh, there is for the time being no business rationale for deciding on further site based on that market condition, including the sluggish map on the BEV market in Europe. Um, they are slowing down the the deployment of uh, the next uh, gigafactories. They are calling them gigafactories too. But I'm, if I'm understanding, so these three that have been announced in Germany, in Spain, and in uh, Canada are still moving forward, but they were about to announce a fourth one. Uh, there were some rumors of uh, uh, going to be in the U.S., but uh, now they are basically putting that plan on hold, waiting for sales to come back up, which is something that we've been warning automakers about because uh, if you do that and then if the demand, demand comes back, <laughs> Uh, the demand comes and they're not going to wait for you to build a new factory, a new battery factory and then a new car factory to produce your electric vehicles. Uh, you're going to find yourself at the mercy of automakers that have volume EV production capacity. And uh, right now, that's still 
mainly Tesla. So Tesla yeah, you know what though? Uh, I saw a report from Cox Automotive at the end of last um, year that showed that the U.S. auto market, and I, I assume Europe and and Asia are in the same boat, is still gr- the EV market is still growing. It's up to like eight percent of the the entire U.S. market right now. And that's up from Q2 and up from Q1. So I think the EV market is still growing. I just think yeah. that, you know, some of these brands aren't doing as well as they'd hoped. Like, you know, Tesla's obviously taking a lot of the air out of the room with their lower prices. And uh, I think they're making some bad short-term decisions here. Yeah. I said, to your point, we're seeing still strong demand for EVs. Is just they are fewer buyers right now for new cars in general and in that, general yeah affects the the specifically evs um growth rate it doesn't affect it's still growing like you said it's just the growth rate has slowed down a bit um mm-hmm. but it's, it's still growing amid a very difficult new car market when you get seven percent interest rates uh, on buying a new car like you, you think twice about it like, you know, it's not everyone that have the abilities to just buy a car heart right uh, these days yep so same thing for ford uh specifically for the mac uh the mackie production uh so i don't know exactly what they said so the sales fell 53 percent month over month month over month you have to be careful though uh so they are they announced that uh, they are pulling back production uh taking out some Mustang Nike production. They are not saying exactly the number. It sounds like no, they're not. Uh, oh, that is the cost automotive report that you're referencing right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, they're not. They're not going. Uh, Ford CEO John Lawler. What are they talking about? The CEO of John Lawler is not the CEO of Ford, as far as I yeah, know. The... A little bit of what happened to uh, Farley? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they announced that uh, they are pulling back a little bit without announcing actual numbers. The um, inventory flow has been going up, and uh, and they want to bring that down a little bit uh, before they can uh, release the throttle fully on the production of the Mac key. Yeah, Lawler's the CFO. CFO, okay. Yeah. Get the AI. So AI this is the first one. <laughs> we talked about Volkswagen slowing down. We talked about Ford slowing down, and on the other side of things, was actually ramping up is Toyota. And when I when I heard that news this week, I checked the numbers twice because they announced that they are injecting an extra eight billion dollars into their U.S. EV plant factory. Um, so that's that's not the total investment. That's on top of an existing investment, which I think was. So it's bringing a total to 14 billion. Yeah, it's bringing a total now to uh, 13, uh, $13.9 billion invested into that battery plant in, in uh, North Carolina. Uh, so it's adding 3,000 jobs for a total of now 5,000 jobs at, at that plant. Uh, that plant is uh, uh, tr- in construction right now. Um, for the first phase of production starting in 2025 and uh, then adding more lines to 2030. And I don't know. So that's has to be the new production. 30, I feel 30 gigawatt hour that was already announced. So I don't think, I'm not sure if they announced an updated production capacity goal now that they have this uh, extra, extra cash on it. But obviously this is um, very critical to, um, Toyota's plan in North America and especially in the U.S. And so you need to have the batteries locally made in order to take advantage of the tax credit. I've seen Toyota in Japan last week with the Japan Mobility Show. Still some early, con- not well, no, I shouldn't say early concepts. Instant concept vehicles, but they look pretty advanced, uh, especially the pickup truck. Uh, so I think that's obviously one of those that's going to come uh, to North America. And the the We've been complaining for a while that they were a lagger in the industry, but slowly I think they're trying to turn around, uh, be a little bit more open to BEVs because uh, a lot of uh, hybrids and a lot of uh, hydrogen, unfortunately, that they're still stuck to. Um, 
but we're seeing some good signs and obviously an extra $8 billion invested in batteries. Batteries eventually end up in BEVs and PHEVs, but um, we'll see if they're going to be a, how's the mix is going to be between uh, those two there. All right, I think we're ready to take some of uh, you guys' questions. Yeah, you've got a few more minutes to get a question in because we're a little low on questions right now. Yes. All right, Jay Sands, can you go over the carrying capacity and bed of the truck? Uh, we're talking about the cyber truck. Any bed modifications with regard to size, shape, and add-ons? Um, I did think we saw a, a picture of the truck that was kind of uh, indented. The, the bed was indented a little bit, but I don't know if that was final or... Pretty sure it was final. Pretty sure that was uh, that was a release candidate they're referring to. So I don't know about like uh, modification to the bed. I, I mean, we've seen uh, the bars, like the accessory bars that you can put on uh, on the sides and on top of. Um, um, well, yeah, yeah, you can put them both on each side, I guess, horizontally to the to the vehicle and on the other side too. Um, so that's the only add-on that I can think of. Size and shape, so Tesla confirmed six feet, but uh, like Seth just said, like there's been some mm, little concern about uh, the sides of it, so we don't know the exact width of the bed, uh, but the sides are slinted. That looks like the actually the the bottom part of it might be a little bit smaller than we anticipated. Uh, but Tesla, so obviously Tesla hasn't talked about uh, the the cyber quad a lot lately so we don't know if that's still the case but originally the goal was actually to be to be able to fit a full size quad in the back of the pickup uh, so that would be a big indication here if, if Tesla can achieve that again that would be a, that would be very good for the cyber truck I think because obviously not that many people are carrying around quads but if you're able to do that you're able to do a bunch of other things too so yeah, six feet long with unconfirmed so far. All right, this is kind of a general question. How many life cycles does the battery have? We're still talking about Cybertruck. What does it cost to replace the electric battery? And will the truck have level five automation? <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, asking the big questions that we would all like to uh, have the answers to. Um in terms of the batteries, well, we, we do know that the Cybertruck is using the 4680 uh, cells. Um, Tesla has switched production to those uh, lately uh, at Gear Factory Texas, which is why we don't see the Model Y with the 4680 cells being produced now. Uh, we know that those have been updated. We, we know that Tesla hasn't quite achieved what they announced originally at the battery day with the 4680. They are getting closer, but they're not quite there. Um, Originally, the goal was longevity, cost reduction, uh, improvement in charging capacity. We we do expect the improvement in charging capacity to be there. We since the Cybertruck is going to be also eight hundred volt truck. But, but again, that that's just the top charge rate. We 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 cannot focus too much on the top charge rate because it's the overall uh, charging cycle that it's important. So how many life cycle? The, uh, well, I, I would assume. Uh, cycles period that uh, he's referring to like five there's one life cycle of, of a battery uh, but uh, the uh, I mean it's in the thousand normally there they are aiming for yeah well that's 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 normally with the cells and and, uh, and and then you have the battery pack which has its own battery management system that can also manage that and you don't necessarily charge fully and be discharge fully so there's a lot of different ways to manage that Tesla has been pretty good in terms of uh, battery longevity so far, uh, and there's been improvement with the latest generation. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. Um, be more a little bit more worried about what maybe what kind of range the vehicle gets and the charge rate and the charge cycle. Because obviously, the, with the bigger with trucks, you get bigger battery pack. Bigger battery pack takes longer to charge. So I, I would be more curious to f see the first. Uh, uh, Cybertruck charging cycles to come out. I don't know if this, so we're going to release that uh, at the unveiling, or if we're going to have to wait for some real world testing. And the level five, I mean, level five, uh, uh, the Cybertruck is going to come with the latest hardware, uh, hardware four so far. Um, but hardware four is actually going to be beh is behind uh, hardware three. So, in terms of the software, so maybe Cybertruck is going to be behind. Uh, the the rest of the fleet in terms of uh, 
autonomous uh, driving capability. So that's something to keep in mind. I think Elon said something about uh, hardware for always being about six months behind hardware three for uh, for software. All right, uh, Spikes43 question. The F-150 tech package uh, seems like a great bump and sweet spot of features with the heat pump. Are there any Rivian features incoming to compete with this and Cybertruck? The drivetrain seems outdated. Uh, he's referring to the Ford uh, Lightning Flash, 320-mile uh, range, high-tech cabin, heat pump uh, coming in at 70K. Um, we haven't heard anything specific from Rivian. Rivian has... Um, a two motor configuration which gets better mileage they have actually a couple two motor configurations one gets much better mileage at the at the cost of uh less acceleration and, and total power and towing capability so ribbon so doesn't have a heat pump uh i don't shoot i should know this right yeah uh, yeah i have one <laughs> Because uh, uh, I mean, the cyber truck is for sure gonna have a heat pump at this point. I don't. I, I would. Yeah. Since Tesla introduced those in Model Three, uh, yeah, and a few years ago now, over, I would assume Silverado has one too. I would assume it's coming to all cars, all future cars, because it had a huge impact for for the latest Model Threes. And Model Y also have it. So yeah, I guess, I guess the Rivian does not at this current time have a heat yeah. pump. I mean, that's that's a big deal for people up north. Uh, if you if yep. you live in a in cold weather area, like. Uh, this could be like the difference maker. Yeah. So uh, as far as drivetrain, Rivian doesn't have anything notable uh, on the horizon besides that. I mean, they actually went down market instead of having mm -hmm. quad motors. These have dual motors. Um, but I guess, I mean, for me, I was like, uh, maybe I'd rather have dual motors because they're not, they're not enabling things like the tank mode. Uh, so there's really no reason to have quad motors. I know there's some, you know, little tricks they do uh, torque vectoring and stuff but um i do like the f-150 flash package that seems like i mean just for me it, it seemed like the best of everything where they you get good range you get good technology um and price point at 70k which is really good um yeah and it'll be interesting to see where the cyber truck comes in on that let's move on here uh, Nick Cedar question, do you know how Volvo is going to get the cost savings for the EX30? I, I'm assuming they mean cost down. Um, I think the number one way they're going to do that is have it built in China by Zeker. Uh, that's kind of yeah. the, the easy way. Has been Volvo's um, motor lately. I mean, they, yeah, they are so, owned by a Chinese company. So. Yeah, and, and you know, Zeker is one of their sister brands. Um, yeah. Not sure how that works, but uh, Nick mentioned casting, and Volvo has been investing in, in large form casting, much like uh, much like Tesla. So I don't know if the EX30 is going to be one that's going to feature it, because uh, um, I, I know that there's a lot of back orders on those giant casting machines right now. Uh, the there's a long lead time, so uh, I, but Volvo has announced that they're they're working on that. I don't know if they have the giant casting machine just yet. The Giga presses. Yeah, we did hear that the EX30 is going to be also manufactured in Europe. Mm. Um, I think there was a lot of demand, so that's going to happen. I really, really think they should make that thing in the U.S. as well. I think yeah. there's going to be a huge market for it. Um, and obviously, the the uh, paying for like it, it'll be interesting to see if we have to pay the tax on the ones coming in from Europe. We I know we won't get the tax credit, but like. There's also a 27% tariff on ones coming from China. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see where the ones coming from the U.S. come from. Will they come from China or, or Europe? Or, you know, theoretically, they'll start making them here. Um, let's see. Carl Lettonen, is the this another vehicle for, like, California and Oregon only, or will it be available in other markets? What about other countries? I don't know what he's talking about there. Perhaps... Uh, maybe we're talking about the K car at that, at that point. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that one is is limited to some markets. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, Vinfast, just generally speaking, little little sketchy at this point. Mm -hmm. And there, uh, there's there been some quality issues and stuff like that. 
All right, uh, Mike the Car Geek, uh, do you think Cybertruck will really ramp up slowly, or is Elon holding back real volume forecast as a surprise for the delivery event? Uh, I think the, the the former is much more likely, I think. Like, or at least it's better to expect the former um, and not to be disappointed. But um, no, I mean, Elon was pretty adamant that... Uh, to temper the expectation with the Cybertruck, like it's going to be hard and everything. And, and uh, I think he has no reason to lie about that. Uh, I don't think he's trying to surprise. We're able to make a thousand a week uh, at the at the lunch event at the end of the month. I, I don't see that happening. Um, I think that if you have a Cybertruck reservation right now, uh, you need to think about soonest end of next year. I think it's that's a safe bet. Yeah, depending on how early you got in and how close to uh, Texas you live, and exactly a bunch of other factories. If you're in Canada, probably yeah, like 2025 20, at this point, right? Uh, possibly related is Cybertruck an exoskeleton or not? I think the lines are a little blurred. Uh, initially, it was supposed to be just steel on the outside, but we've seen some like traditional framed, you know, and kind of sheet metal over top of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the official definition of exoskeleton: you have to have external panels that are structural. I mean, body panels are always like somewhat structural, but like you have to have part of the vehicle chassis that is exposed. Um, I haven't seen that so far, based on the bodies that we saw. Might be mistaken. I don't know. I just we haven't seen that. And we've seen like internal frames yeah. on the in the build process. So don't know if that's still true. Um Ian Smith, uh looking beyond Musk, who possibly are the potential contenders for the public face of spearheading the transition to electric vehicles. Uh I mean, I guess we're we're talking about other car manufacturers like uh Rivian's RJ Scringe comes up sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if there's gonna be like, you, you, do you really need like specific faces to 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 do it? I, I don't know if it's that big of a of a deal to be honest. I think like, it's gonna be a huge mix of automakers. Like Musk is taking a lot of the attention right now, and rightfully slow because without Tesla, we wouldn't be nowhere near where we are right now with electrification. Um, but we've exactly what we thought was gonna happen happen, where slowly Tesla's market shares are being. Um, taking over by other automakers a lot slower than we actually most people thought i think <laughs> i don't think that people thought that tesla would be at 50 percent still in the us and uh in the in the 20s and 30s in europe and depending on the markets uh in china they're a little bit lower because in, in, in china, like what is happening in china is probably what you're going to see other places uh you're going to see like uh some of those like the byds and, and the neo and xpeng all that uh, you're going to see equivalents to that or or maybe specifically them too in other uh, rejection in other markets. And um, it's going to be a, a, a more fair mix in between that. So, yeah, I mean, maybe like uh, dog, dog, dog field maybe um, uh, seems to be taking over Ford, Ford Blue. For, is that like the, the EV version of the electric division of Ford? Um, uh, yeah, is he the head of that? I thought he was just the technology guy, but yeah, I guess that's that's a big part of it. Yeah, I think I think he's starting. To, he's like um, even public facing. He's starting to be. I saw some artists, some like interviews lately and all that. So maybe that makes sense. But yeah, all RJ right, obviously yeah. RJ is up there. But uh, it's gonna. It's, I don't think it's gonna be like one guy. It's gonna like Elon is obviously the one guy right now, just because of how big Tesla is. But it's gonna be a mix, probably. All right, uh, Brad Sloan. Do you guys know if any company is going to produce a Tesla to CCS adapter, and is Tesla going to allow non-Tesla charge at its supercharger after the first of next year? Uh, we know Electron is already making that thing. Yeah. And uh, we know but, that um, I think it's a British company, like a big British uh, electronics manufacturer that got an actual contract for Tesla from Tesla to, to make a NAX. Uh, technically, it's not the adapter. It's it's the NAX itself, the connector. So, But I wouldn't be surprised that that would include adapters too. 
Um, yeah. So, but what's uh, is Tesla going to allow non-Tesla charge at its supercharger after the first of next year? But I mean, Tesla is already uh, enabling that at the yeah Magic Docs, the one with the Magic Docs. So, uh, I guess what he's saying is like. As soon as they have the adapter, can anyone go to any station? I, I think that's probably closer to... Okay, with an adapter, Brad just added that. Yeah. Um, so I don't know about the first of next year. Uh, they say like they say that the adapter is coming in 2024. So I assume once they have the adapter, because uh, I, I, like you talked about Electron. Electron is the name here, right? Uh, yeah. So, like, technically, you could already get an adapter, and then whenever Tesla is ready to open it, then you have it. It's just, um, yeah, the that Electron has been announcing, like, yeah, you're going to have access to all superchargers and everything like that. You have to be careful with that because at the end of the day, Tesla is still in control of whoever used their charging network. And uh, you, you need the official announcement for Tesla. It's like, okay, you, you can use it with, with an adapter now. Uh, so uh, we, we don't know exactly when that's going to happen, but it sounds like it's going to be 2024 at least. So uh, maybe just yeah. not first of the year, but it, it is coming next year. And it's going to be a big deal, I think, um, to Tesla's credit. I think it's going to help non-Tesla EVs more than anything. Like you, It's going to make road trips a lot easier with those vehicles. It's going to add a lot of values to uh, vehicles with CCS right now. Uh, it's going to be... Interesting. Superchargers see. are also going to be a lot crowded, more crowded. Yeah, so. yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how Tesla deals with that, because uh, especially deals with what we just talked about, like the Chevy Equinox. Though, like GM was one of the first to get on board with uh, with that deal, and um, we think that Equinox could be a popular vehicle. Obviously, that's going to be more towards the end of the year and in, in, in 2025 because of, of um, the, the pricing situation. But uh, those a lot of those vehicles are capped at 150 kilowatts, so um, it's uh, it's not as fast as the the Model Y, Model Three. Obviously, that's that 250 is early in the system. But a lot of those charges you don't charge fully. Like you, you can you, you you can get people out of there quickly, have shorter charging sessions. So not only you had a lot of uh, people to the network, you had sl- potentially slower charging vehicles to the network. It's going to be an interesting uh, problem to solve. Not exactly sure how Tesla is going to do. Well, I mean, not exactly sure. At the same time, we, we, we reported just last week the congestion fee. That's, that might be a part of that solution. Uh, it, looks, it looks like Tesla is working on things to be ready to, like, if it's, if it's a mess and it, it could end up being of a mess of a lunch, uh, they, they can smooth things out with things like that. So we'll see. It's going to be a fascinating uh, change in the North American side of uh, the EV industry. Uh, but uh, looks like uh, that's it for us this week. No more questions. So I appreciate every single one of you guys that uh, tune in for the show this week. Um, if you do enjoy the show, you can give us a like, a thumbs up, whatever it is on the app you're watching. Uh, if you're listening to the audio version of the podcast, you can give us uh, a five-star rating. It's free to do. It takes a second and it helps the show a ton. We appreciate every single one of you that does it. And uh, we're going to see you same time, same place next week. Have a good one.